die, people get sick. There, there, there's, there's so many things that we are experiencing as humans. I believe that when we see that we have this antenna that's constantly processing stuff, it's our job as, as artists, and if we want to be artists, to tune into that frequency and listen to what it has to say. Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayada Zaidi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Peter Katz is a Canadian singer-songwriter. His acclaimed 2015 album, We Are The Reckoning, was hailed by CBC radio host Tom Parker as one of the most heartfelt, beautiful and vulnerable records of the year. Toronto audiences agreed, crowning Katz as the best male vocalist in that year's Now magazine readers poll. On his Facebook page, Peter is described as singer-songwriter at People of the World, and I believe he is that. Peter is also an incredible facilitator and works supporting a range of organisations in Canada and internationally. So today I am with the wonderful and formidable Peter Katz. There are many stories that I could tell about the interactions and the conversations that Peter and I have had. But um, I think the thing that's really coming to mind is Peter's in Canada. I'm in the UK, in London. We have never met. But, you know, I just have so much love and care and affection for you. And it's such a gift that you've agreed to be here. And uh, I mean, I, I'm happy to share it, but I would love it if, if you would like to share the story of our first kind of meeting and the conversation that we had around the word brother. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know if your listeners will have the context around what we're, the, what, the community that we're both part of, um, but uh, should, I, should I fill that in a bit? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, so uh, so obviously we're both part of exchange and we're both studying uh, facilitation and, and part of a group of, of amazing facilitators really from around the world. And I, we were doing a, a deep dive on the, on the 3C model and John Berghoff, the, the, the guy who is the founder of exchange, asked if I would play a song. And so I played a song of mine called Brother and it ended up sparking a really interesting discussion where where you had said that you actually didn't didn't re re relate to the the concept of brother and and that 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 word in some ways was was potentially divisive that that there was there was 
different interpretations of 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 the, the meaning of that, and it actually sparked a really, I think, really beautiful, powerful, enlightening conversation that maybe made people a little uncomfortable in some moments. But I, I think that's that's where good conversations happen, and and I think in some ways it 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 changed. The, the tone of conversations within exchange and and it kind of it kind of opened up this this can of worms in a way where where we we all could sort of say well actually you know this feels a little uncomfortable and it kind of sparked this whole conversation uh, and to John's credit he was amazing at, at navigating that and and really I just think it brought the whole community together and and I think it brought you and I closer together. We had this this connection, and and you sent me a, a really lovely note afterwards. And I think it it for me personally, it I am excited to have those kinds of conversations. I feel like it's it's tricky for me to even talk about this, but I'll I'll sort of get really vulnerable about it. In that I'm a white heterosexual male living in Canada. And that just means I've had a certain kind of experience, certainly a, a privileged experience. And there's a massive, there's massive conversations happening all around the world right now uh, about, uh, you know, inequality and, and equity and diversity and, and, and all of these things. And, and, you know, like here in Canada, there's huge conversations talking about, you know, the treatment of First Nations. And there's, there's been you know, just all these discoveries of, of, of these mass graves of children. It's, it's really horrific here in Canada, you know, all, all these things that are coming to light that, of course, the Indigenous people have known about for years, but they weren't in the, the public conversation. And then there was you know, George Floyd in the U.S. and that movement, and all, all these all these various movements, and, and and a real focus on on you know equity, diversity, and 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 inequality, and 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 um, you know systemic racism, and all these things. And I I have really you know in in many ways I've tried to I've tried to yield the floor and 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 be more of a listener and a learner. And and not have my voice dominate the conversation in any way. I, my career is as a, is a as a speaker, as a songwriter, and, and I'm used to having my voice heard. And so I've tried to 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 be more silent, not not in a in a uh, indifferent kind of a way, but in a, in a listening and learning kind of way. So this is a long way of me saying that I really appreciated being part of that conversation, especially in exchange, which uh, one of the things I noticed when I came into exchange is that there, there was more diversity. There were, there was, there was maybe more women than, than men. There were, there, there, there's, there, there's, there's greater diversity there than I've seen in other learning communities that I've been a part of. And I just felt I felt grateful to get to be part of part of that conversation because I I've I've hesitated as to how to enter those conversations and make sure that I'm I'm not uh, I'm not dominating it. Does that does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, for me, what was really interesting was was we started off with a conversation around the word brother because I only have sisters, you know, and I was like, well, I couldn't relate to it. And just the way in which it unpacked and and there is something really important for me to acknowledge, which is your engagement in that conversation. Because sometimes when I've tried to to discuss these things, people feel really threatened. And I try and do it in a way that is not threatening and because I want to listen to what the other person has to say. Because there's a huge amount of learning on both sides and also on the people who are observing. So for us to even just be able to unpack that and kind of like look at what that then meant and continue conversations um, around other words as well, because one of the things John Berghoff kind of teaches us, which is um, uh, a saying that is very prevalent in the world of appreciative inquiry and facilitation, and that's what exchange does, is the concept of words create worlds. Mm-hmm. And so just exploring what you've said and kind of looking at it through the lens of the simplicity of me not having any brothers and unpacking some of that, I think was really powerful um, and and the other piece as well is is that I think we all have to be vulnerable because it would very been very easy for me just to not share anything and just be quiet and kind of and I don't think we would have had the depth of connection you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but but sharing it kind of gave me an opportunity to learn and be um yeah be vulnerable about the things that maybe I found difficult and then it kind of unpacked it for others as well. And I just think there was something, it was a really special moment in time. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, I I agree. It was a very special moment and and you were this really important catalyst. And and I agree that you, you, you did it in a way that, that I, I think created an invitation and, I'm even careful when I say that because I think sometimes if people don't create that invitation in the right way because they're they're angry or upset, I think that's okay and and justified and and I don't I don't think it's fair to have an expectation for everybody to to sort of diplomatically say you know, you're, you're oppressing my rights or, you know, whatever it might be in, in other contexts where difficult conversations need to happen. But certainly I think in that context, I mean, it was so interesting for me because I, I, I was, I was new to the community. I, I was, I was a baptism of fire, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so I very much, I, I I think it was on the, the maybe it was on the first day or the I mean it was only two day thing so when, whenever that happened and so I I sort of had that new kid nervous wants people to like me kind of you know just kind of getting to know and and I immediately recognized that this was an amazing community of of highly talented intelligent you know amazing people from all around the world and I was playing a song of mine and and so I felt this this inherent vulnerability of wanting to do a good job. And then when you said that, I, it was such a pattern interrupt for me. And yet it was such a healthy experience. And I think, you know, I, 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 you and I haven't really talked about this since, but it's actually changed 
the way that I frame that song and the way that I think about playing that song ever since it's, it's given me a different perspective on it in, in a really healthy way. And I think, I, I feel like you gave, you gave me a gift and you gave the community a gift by, by speaking up and, and creating, creating a moment where we had to kind of, I don't know what the, the, the image is, whether that's swimming against the waves, <laughs> if there's like go with the flow, then whatever the opposite is swimming against the waves or, or there's the, the water has become rustled up. And I, I love that that happened. And, and, and I love the, all the rich conversation that it, that it sparked and, and, and the reframe that it's given me ever since. So. Wow. Like I had yeah. no idea about any of that. And mm-hmm. You know, and, and I will say, because even at the time, I kind of I think at the end of the event, I said, I'm really proud to call you my brother, which was really from like nowhere, because mm-hmm. I've never said that to anyone. Right. <laughs> I love that, though. Yeah. And hopefully people are going to go to Spotify or wherever it's available and listen to the song and then just kind yeah. of think about what that means for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That would be great. I want to ask you about another one of your songs, if I can, before Mm -hmm. um, uh, going into some of my other kind of questions, which is Take Mine. Mm. And I I absolutely, I don't know, I've just fallen in love with that song. And I think the the lyric that you have, which is, um, what is it? Um, If you're looking for a heart to put your love in, take mine. Yeah, if you need if you need a heart to put your if you need a heart to put your love in, take mine, take mine, take mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I I kind of want to know how did you come up with that lyric? Because for me it's just it expresses so much kind of like vulnerability and care and compassion. And so whenever I listen to it, I'm always thinking of like, am I the vessel for somebody else's love? Or who is who is that person that I'm giving my love to? Yeah, I wrote that song at a at a very rich time of of creativity. And actually, I wrote that song with a guy named Rich, <laughs> Rich Jacks. And uh, after after my divorce, I went. I, I had been going to LA a bunch, but I, I really, I really needed to kind of get out of Toronto and and just be creative and just be in another space. And so I, I went to LA right away. And I was just writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. Rich and I were writing a song a day, basically. Wow. And, and I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's actually a specific person that I was thinking of when I wrote that song who I don't want to, I don't want to out or anything, but, um, it was another person who had been through heartbreak and been through trials and tribulation. And I, it was just sort of, a. I guess, huh, it's interesting. I have, I, okay, I'll tell you. So I'm not going to tell you the person, but <laughs> I'll tell you the context. So um, I remember the, the day that I left my house after, after my divorce, like the, the final time that I was sitting in the driveway and I was going to be, all my stuff was in the car and I was pulling out of the driveway and never to return, the final time. And I sat in the car for a moment and it was 
so painful. It was just, it was horrifically painful. But I had this little moment of decision in that moment that I was going to make this hard thing. I was going to, I was determined to, to, to have it make me more loving, more open, more wise, that I wasn't going to have this thing have me contract in the world, that it was going to help me expand somehow. And I didn't know how, and it felt impossible, but I said to myself, this is going to make me grow. And if I pull that into the context of this song, and if you kind of follow the lyrics in the verse, it's basically, we, we've, I'm recognizing in this other person that we've, we've been burned, we've, we've, we've been through these hard things, but there's love, there's light, there's other things on the, on the other side of that. And so you're scared, I'm scared, but sort of kind of take my hand and, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do these scary things together. And so that song feels like a little, like the light shining through the cracks of, of, of the, the potential that I was of dreaming of in the future. Oh, I, I absolutely love that. And and there's a, a couple of things that I, I'd love to kind of share in response. And the first one is, sure. is that like I know in my introduction to the, the the discussion about this song, I shared about love, but actually it's kind of equally the song that I would share with my friend who's going through struggle and just kind of saying, you know what, I'm here for you. And right. as I was listening to your description, it's kind of like, you know, your friend is just here. And you're just walking along with them in partnership, helping them through their stuff while they're helping you with yours. I love that. And, and truthfully, that's one of my favorite things about being a songwriter and putting music out in the world is as soon as it leaves my hands, it's out of my control. And I love that people appropriate it into their lives as, as they wish. And it's, it's, it's yours for the taking. And I love that something that might've had one inspiration for me might mean something totally different to somebody else. And that's the beauty of, of, you know, my artistic work is, is, and that's also the, that's also, I guess the, the scary part of it. I, I, scary feels like the wrong word, but that's the, it's the trusting part of it where I, my job in a way is to have it come through me package it as beautifully as possible with as much of the resources and love that I can possibly give it and then give it away. And it will find its way as it finds its way. And it will mean what it will mean. My only hope for it is that it means something to somebody. <laughs> the, mm. the worst thing I it, it would is just it being ignored. That That would be the hardest thing. But if it if it lands and means something to somebody then then i'm that's that's the gift of it yeah and it certainly does so it's kind of like really really strange for me because like you're now in my spotify liked playlist and, and i'm speaking to you so there's a there's a everything that you're saying that you desire is happening 
you know, and it's not just me. I see it with many of the other people within exchange and otherwise as well. I just want to acknowledge something else that you said as well about the the piece of sitting in the car and kind of leaving. You took me to a place where um, after 10 years of living in Glasgow, I, um, I, you know, I had a car accident and I made the decision to move back to London. And I also knew that I just was not emotionally and, and actually physically capable of doing the drive. So a friend of mine was um, driving the van and thank God he was because literally from the minute we left Glasgow to the minute we landed in London, I cried the whole way. And when he asked me, what are you crying for? I said, I actually don't know, because, but I look back on it now and I just think in some ways I describe my life as, you know, born and raised in London, but I grew up in Glasgow because I moved there when I was 18. So it was as if I was leaving like that was it. My childhood, my kind of like becoming an adult was over. And all of a sudden I had to take responsibility. It's not an easy thing, you know. Yeah, I've done that drive several times. So that's a big drive too. And I, and I hear you that that period, certainly from 18 to 28, I guess it was for you would, would, those are big years, really big years. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, you're welcome. You do so much kind of um, different work in so many different arenas and you do work with um, young people in terms of helping them to, to develop. Um, you've got your music as well. You've got facilitation. I'd love to know what makes you feel inspired. So many things. I, I It's interesting. The first thing that comes to mind when when I hear that question is, when I'm leading a songwriting workshop, I always say to people that you want to just start seeing yourself as an artist. And, and the way the image that I use is, is this little antenna on the top of your head. And we kind of want to grow this antenna on the top of your head. And the truth is every single human being has this antenna at the top of your head. That's constantly processing information. You walk down the street, you see things, you turn on the news, you see things, you hear conversations, things happen in your life. People are born, people die, people get sick. There, there, there's, there's so many things that we are experiencing as humans. I believe that when we see that we have this antenna that's constantly processing stuff, it's our job as, as artists, and if we want to be artists, to tune into that frequency and listen to what it has to say. And so the fundamentals of what inspire me or inspires me is just human experience and, and realizing that we have such dramatically different human experiences, and yet a person can create something that's so specific to their human experience and it can resonate and speak to hundreds, thousands, millions of other humans and that the more courageous you're willing to be in your specificity and in your vulnerability, the greater it's going to resonate for the people that it's going to resonate with. And so I just love human experience stories and 
that's that's been the essence of my writing as a as a songwriter. That's the essence of my work in my in my keynotes. That's the essence of what I'm trying to do as a facilitator. That's the essence of what I do in my youth work is is just getting in there and and having human beings feel their aliveness and feel their connectedness and any environment where I can be a catalyst for that or a, a, a participant observer of that is what inspires me and makes me feel alive and like I'm using my minutes on earth wisely. I love that because um like, I don't know if you know this about me, but part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast in kind of like a little bit of a real shift that I'm taking in my work now is really to document the lived experience. And um, I'm right, I'm completing my thesis at the moment. And one of the things that I'm really fascinated about is that piece that, that in, in the research they call autoethnography. And it's about storytelling. And so when I was having that insight, I was thinking, so I've done all this stuff just to tell stories. <laughs> and But the other side of that actually is the, the human story and the things that we share about our lived experience is what actually I think um, it creates the growth that we need on a global level. And so what you're describing about your inspiration, I think, is just, uh, honestly, I mean, like, it's so significant and so important that somebody is seeing um, that as one of the core threads of the work they do. Because, you know, so many people do great work, but they avoid that connection between the work they're doing and how people receive it. And you're describing as if it's completely embedded into everything that you do. Yeah, I, I, I have many artist friends who, and this, this is not a criticism. It's just we have different things that drive us. Where they, they're very content to live in the bubble, like to to live in in the the studio, to live in the, in just the, that sort of creative space and I've always wanted to be in the room with people I, I've always wanted I, like I want to write the great song so that I can play it in a room for people so I can be in a moment and have the perfect song to serve that moment so I, I like for me, it, it is about developing these skills or developing these things that I'm doing so that I can be in the moment in, in collision with other people. And that's what, that's what I'm most interested in is, is, is it out in the world. Um, and I guess that's why I, I, I've toured as much as I've, I have, and I've, I've, I'm always it, the through line of of all the work that I do out in the world is is me being with people at a at a vibration or at, a, at an intensity that that's more than we're just kind of 
talking or <laughs> it's, it, there's always a heightened vibration and intensity to it. That's just how I want to, to be with other human beings. Mm. And, and, and I, I think I see that. I think actually just going back to right at the beginning of, of our conversation here, I think that's probably why I felt okay saying what I said because there's just you know it's it's really weird right like even over the online platform you can actually feel someone energetically mm-hmm. you know and it's but there's something about cultivating the space in order to allow that to happen otherwise it, we only see one dimension I, and i one of the biggest words for me in my life is the word curiosity. And I've really nurtured that curiosity through the work that I do with youth. Um, I, I actually just got back from Alberta here in Western Canada. And, and every summer for the last nine years, I go out there and I, I do this youth mentoring work. And it, it, there's a whole other story behind how that came about where this program had been using my music as part of their curriculum. But um, what I've learned doing that work is what my my best friend, Joss, she's a a therapist. She also does this mentoring work with the youth. And she said to me, she said, there's no bad kids. There's only sad kids. And so any kind of behavior or things that you're seeing, they're just just a manifestation of, of something that's going on. And so it's your job as a mentor as a, as a, as an adult to be curious about why they're acting, however they're acting and nurturing that with youth. What I've really learned is there's no, pretty much no bad people, just sad people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it doesn't only like, we're all just grown up kids. We're mm-hmm. all still dealing with our traumas and we're all still, missing the mark as to what we're really feeling. And we think we're feeling one thing and we're taking it out over here or we're doing all the various things that we do to kind of get away from ourselves. And so I see humanity. I see other human beings. I even see bad things that happen with it, with a sense of curiosity, with a, with a, with this kind of growth mindset of, of, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what I can learn from this. I wonder, I wonder what kind of pattern interrupt I could help create that might allow this moment to flourish instead of deteriorate. And so I've had to nurture that through the work that I do but it, it, it has become, I think it was already instinctually in my nature, but I, I have, I've really watered that garden. And so I genuinely, when I feel th- this discomfort or I feel even triggered, my first instinct now is to get curious. Mm. It, and I guess part of why I'm able to do that is, is, is a lot of the mindfulness that I've, that I've been practicing where I can actually observe the part of me that's triggered without embodying the part of me that's triggered. I can say, wow, look at how 
scared I am. Look at how vulnerable I feel. Look at how angry that part of me is. But I, I can, I can be dissociated from from the, the the peak of the reaction, which allows me to enter it with this space of curiosity. So, you know, if we go back to that, you know, moment with in an exchange that we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, I could feel this bubbling up of did I do something wrong? Like, do, like, like, am I, have I, just this, this, this string of potential thoughts. But then my next move is to take a step back and be really curious and just start listening and start taking it in. And I, I, I ha- being open to, oh, I'm about to learn something. This, these feelings that are bubbling up in me this is this is exciting because something is happening. I wonder what it is. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what I'm going to learn. This is a moment. And that all comes down to nurturing curiosity. You know, you really are my brother, like for real. <laughs> because what you've described is something that I have had to really lean into and learn and so kind of like slightly bringing some humor in but also with an element of seriousness I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso but um if you don't you should I'm just going to say that uh, sorry I said should it's quite a strong word but it's such a That's good show funny. so okay um, and there's one there's um a couple of times he speaks about being judgmental and he says that um uh, rather than being judgmental he want, he's curious and if people are curious then they ask questions and they find out information and there's a particular scene in there where um he's playing darts i won't go into the detail right now but i will include a link to it in the show notes mm. and um it's then this piece about be, being unassuming so when you judge you make assumptions and when you make assumptions it takes you down a particular line Whereas when you're curious and you do all of those wonderful, rich things that you shared, then you have no assumptions about anything. And that, I think, really kind of opens you up to a full spectrum of growth where really you don't know which direction you're going to go in, but it doesn't matter because at the end of that is going to be growth. Yeah, and as I hear you say that, something that's coming to mind to me, which actually connects to the creative process is, you know, when, when, when I'm writing a song, sometimes I realize, ah, the second verse, it's not as good as it could be. And there's this fear or you're writing a chorus and it's like, it's working, but something could be better. But there's this fear that, oh, I don't want to go down this whole other rabbit hole and what if this whole thing falls apart because I change this and change that. But what you need to remember is you can always go back to what you had. <laughs> like, and I think the same thing applies to what you're just describing is you could go, you can always go back to your opinion on the matter or your whatever. Like that's not at risk. So being, so what's the point of, of putting your stake in the ground and saying, this is, this is, must be the way you can always go back to that. And that's where I think 
realizing that, oh, if I'm curious, I, 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 and if you, I think I'm just processing this in real time, it also requires a confidence that, that you're not breakable, that, that someone might have a, a strong opinion, somebody might say something, and, and you might be like, wow, that's, that's a great point, or wow, I, I, I heard them out, and you know what? I completely disagree, but I, I opened myself up to it. I really allowed the curiosity. I went down that road. It wasn't a threat to, to, to my whatever that I'm holding on to. I allowed myself that, and after careful thought and reflection and consideration and curiosity, I've decided... I still feel this way <laughs> or, or maybe I feel this way and there's an asterisk next to it now or whatever that might be. So uh, it's interesting how it dovetails with the creative process where you can always go back to what you had, but what happens when you, when you open yourself up to this curiosity? And if I sort of process what I've just been saying, part of the ingredients of that beyond the curiosity is this, this confidence and the sense of self that, that I, that I'm not breakable. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, if you think about that, that willingness to be curious, that willingness to be even knocked off your post actually makes you more solid than squeezing tightly and, and, you know, battening down the hatches and not being, being willing to listen to anything. Cause, and you think that this is me confident, this is me solid, but it's the complete opposite. You're, you're just, you're falling behind. That's so, so good. Yeah. Interesting is, to think about it that way. And, and I, I, just to kind of share an insight that I had as, as you were speaking so last year when I wrote my book, Results, the Art and Science of Getting It Done, I, I, I had done the first chapter and I kind of knew there was something about it that just doesn't feel right. But I thought, I can't unpack it right now because I have the rest of the book to write. And in the past, I've stayed stuck on the first chapter so many times. So I finished and went back to it and I just thought, okay, there's something that's coming to me. And literally I wrote, I think, about 4,000 words in a morning and when I looked at it again and I sent it to, or after sending it to my editor, she was like, this is just perfect. Mm. And I think the thing is, it was what what pushed me was knowing that it had to be redone. Mm. Also knowing that actually, I, whilst I didn't like it, it was OK because the editor said it was OK. So it could have mm. gone to print. So I had a backup plan. Right, but, right this thing for me was like, well, is the backup plan good enough? And do I want to put that in the public domain? And I knew that I didn't. And so going to that place of kind of um, maybe perfectionism, maybe kind of like pushing myself a little bit too far, it just, well, I don't know. There's just something where all of a sudden it's kind of like the ether opens and you download what you need and you do it in a way that's just impossible to describe. I understand that <laughs> yeah. very much. Yeah. And, and thank you for allowing me to unpack that because I don't think I had realized some of these things, you know, so. 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's a powerful thing. You already had written chapter one, so there was no, fundamentally, there was no risk of not having a chapter one, but you knew that there was something else uh, that, 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 that was waiting. But it, it takes courage to, to chase that down and, and to, or, to, or to open yourself up to it. I like the way that you put it. And, and, and truthfully, that does feel... I feel like a lot of creative processes is, is getting out of our own way. It's it's about turning off our brains and allowing allowing the flow. And mm. that doesn't mean that the flow process is this magical thing where you're just sitting on a cloud typing and it's all just <laughs> sometimes it is down on your knees in the mud. But I think being in that process and trusting that that you're you're up to something that you're that think that things will move through you so long as you stay open and curious and and in that in that searching place that really is uh, it requires a willingness and, and, and I, and I, I guess I, I wish that for everybody, you know, when, again, to circle back to what we talked about earlier about what inspires me in this sort of human experience. And, and I don't, I've never liked this notion that there's artists and non-artists there's that, that we're in some kind of club that if you don't have this thing called talent or whatever, I think everybody has so much to say and that they're processing so many things. But the thing that differentiates quote unquote artists from non-artists, I think is the willingness to, to turn, tune into that curiosity, to show up for that uncertainty of, I know I need to rewrite chapter one. I don't know why. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm going to put pen to paper or fingers to keypad and see. <laughs> and the other thing that comes to me as well, though, is, is uh, and I 100% agree with everything you've said, it's just I know for me when I've been in the past and like you, I described getting stuck on chapter one, I've been stuck on chapter one for so many different books that if I took them out, you know, you'd be reading my stuff for the rest of your life. So <laughs> there is something about kind of like acknowledging and just continuing because otherwise you do stay stuck. And I think maybe that's the difference between what you describe as artists and people who feel that they're not artists is that it is that piece of saying it's not perfect. There are a number of iterations. For example, um, I had a supervision meeting with um, my supervisor regarding my thesis. And I just said, you couldn't read the whole thing, aren't you? And she said, of course. And there's this process of iteration where she gives feedback. I'll do it again. She gives feedback. And then at one point we decide it's the final thing. And and so I, I wanted to ask you, do you do you work with someone that's actually then kind of helping you to do that process of iteration to get to that place where you think, OK, you know what? This song is as complete as it will be for now. 
Certainly there's, there's an iteration process. I, I have my own iteration process. Some songs, it's just me versus me, iterating, 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 iterating. And, and there's a certain, the, the secondary force sometimes is, is the audience is certainly in, in the, in the years of my life where I was touring 150, 200 days a year, I would write a new song in the morning and I would play it that night. And as you're playing it, you're thinking, Oh, I'm not as proud to sing this line as I am that line. And, and so you're refining and, and changing, but certainly I've been more collaborative with my last few albums, especially my most recent album where I'm in the room writing with somebody else. And I tend to write most of the lyrics and melody. And then there's the person that I'm writing with is often more in the producer role of building up, you know, the textures or building up some of the structure stuff. And I'm, I'm writing lyrics and melody because it sort of makes sense. The project is called Peter Katz and it, it, it just makes sense for it to be more in, in my voice. Um, but the thing I love about being in a room with another producer is they'll be like, that line, that's terrible. <laughs> you know? So you have this, this kind of instant feedback where you're like, okay. And then I kind of go back to the drawing board and, and, and try to come up with something that makes them go, wow, or yes. And I enjoy that more than being by myself trying to figure out what that thing is or waiting until I have an audience to figure out what that thing is. I still do it. The latest single that I, I just put out, Calm Within the Storm, I wrote that by myself and it was just me in a bubble. Although I was part of a songwriting group where we were, we were meeting once a week and sharing our songs and I shared an earlier version of that song and the woman that was running the group, she said, I think you can do better, you know, here, here and here. And so I went back and, and rewrote it. So yeah, I, 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 I think the iterative process is incredibly important. I think, again, maybe one of the things that differentiates uh, artists versus non-artists, again, knowing that I, I think everybody is an artist if you're willing to do some of these things that we're talking about is, is that willingness to float it out there, even though, you know, it's not perfect, but the way that you get it to be more perfect <laughs> is by walking it through different rooms and experiencing it in, in different ways and seeing it through somebody else's eyes. And, and then, Again, you're you're the creator. You get to decide. Some it's like we were just were talking about. Somebody might say to you, "Ah, that 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 verse is no good," and you might say, "I disagree." And you can you can make that decision. You're the one that's that's writing it and creating it. But I like the challenge of seeing if I can beat it. I like having people who I trust who who push me to places that I, I, I wouldn't even know how to push myself to on my own. And yeah, all that to say, long answer to your question, absolutely. I, I, have, I have collaborators often in the form of producers or, or co-writers. Those tend to be the, the, the two people that I kind of take 
take my feedback from. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, I, you know, the thing that's coming to my mind is just like a bunch of ingredients that you put together and you make different things out of it, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. and that, that's how I've started to view my writing. And for me, it's, it's finally given me the confidence to call myself an author. Whereas mm-hmm. before I was just like, I felt like I was playing and I, and I share that because there, there are, you know, I love what you say that, that everyone is, um, uh, creative. What, what was the phrase you use? Everyone is an artist. That's it. Yeah. And, but it's leaning into that and just recognizing that you have got creative talent and ability. And when we're in school, you know, everyone wants to know about how we can draw and how we can play music and how we can write. And as you become an adult, all of that just stuff, it just kind of like gets, you know, and people lose their sense of, um, creativity. Yeah. And if you really break down what, what, what makes an artist, it's just somebody who's, willing to create something that doesn't exist. And the scary thing about creating something that doesn't exist is, first of all, you don't know what you're creating because it doesn't exist yet. It only exists in real time as you bring it to life. And then two, you don't really know when it's done, is it good, does anybody care? (laughs) It's the difference between me singing a cover song and me singing an original. And there's a real art to the cover song where I'm doing an interpretation of it and I'm doing it in my own way. And there's certainly an artistic and creative piece to that. But I know foundationally that this is a good song that people, it it, it has been given the stamp of good song. Now, maybe there's some people that still don't think it's a good song, but enough people have given it that stamp. Whereas when you're totally creating something from scratch, it's not going to exist unless you bring it to life. Every word of your book is not going to be there unless you bring it to life. Every one of my songs is not going to be there unless I bring it to life. And in a way, you're also doing all of this under the context of nobody really cares. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, is, is nobody cares that I'm writing a song. And that's not true. I mean, there, there are many tens of thousands of people that, that love my music and listen to it. And that's, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, they don't, they don't know that I'm trying to write another song and, and, and they don't like you're nobody, you're doing this for some kind of compelled to reason. And there's no roadmap. You don't know if it's done you don't know what it's going to be and and that's just that's just a confounding place to be in mm. <laughs> and so that's why i think a lot of people just don't want to be there and yet if you're willing to go there you're willing to be there you're willing to navigate that uncertainty you're willing to step into that curiosity i'm sure you 
you know, the feeling of holding your book or the feeling of, of, of having a song that I can go sit down at the piano and play and know that I created is one of the best feelings on earth. It feels, it feels like aliveness. It feels mm. like, I don't know what the core of the earth feels like as it, it's bubbling and bursting and creating mountains and volcanoes and tectonic plates, but it feels like you're tapping into that sense of source in those moments. That's like nothing else. 100%. And, and I think the thing is, is that you described it as aliveness and I completely agree. And, and I, I, how else do you describe that thing? Right? Like, like I know for me, I, I originally actually wrote my book for me because I saw a problem and I couldn't find a solution anywhere else. And I think with a lot of the writing I do, that's what I'm doing. I'm searching and, and maybe there's something for me to unpack about myself, right? I'm searching from the answer from somebody else and I can't find it. So I'm like, why is it not there? And then I have to push myself to try and find that answer. And then that journey and that work becomes useful and then I share it with other people. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's that's a wonderful way to a wonderful place to create from because certainly there's other people that are looking for that same answer that that you're looking for, and so you're the courageous one who's stepping off the ledge and saying, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna." knit this parachute as I'm falling through the sky and trust that <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out by the time I land. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I, I would love to know, like, if um, if 16-year-old Peter Katz was looking at you, what advice would he give to you right now? 16-year-old Peter Katz was, had just moved out on his own was quite scared and also um, excited and confident and and I think he would say to me now. that that you're not in a rush, you know, that that there's to 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 remain present, I think, that this is not some grand Thing that all needs to be perfectly woven together. I think I had a, a bit of a greater sense of, of fun back then. And I think even though I, I've always been quite, quite serious and focused, I think 16-year-old Peter was... had a bit a greater lightness to him that, that he might uh, remind me of. 
Yeah, isn't it funny that that this message of kind of like more fun is coming up when I ask that mm. question to many people. So, yeah. and, and and even for me, you know, it's just uh, yeah. There's there's a lot for us, I think, as society to unpack about why we remove fun from our lives as we become adults. It's interesting, yeah. <laughs> there's a guilt around fun or something for me where I feel like I'm not doing something useful and, and, and yet it's so essential. You were talking about aliveness and, and even having the energy for all the things that we want to do. Like, what are you working so hard for if, if you're not, if it's not empowering you to have fun and joy and, and, and moments of aliveness along the way, like what's the point? So mm. it's a good reminder even just to be asked that question and reflect mm. on it. And, and if I, if I can just kind of like pause there for another moment, which is um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared something about rest and I said that rest is an act of resilience and resistance. And I think from the last couple of minutes of conversation, I'm going to argue that fun is an act of resilience and resistance. I love that. I love that. I completely agree. I think it's it's a bold move to have some fun. <laughs> and 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 I think like true fun where it's not it's not um you're not trying to it's not contained. Just, yeah, it's it's like just true joy. I, I think joy at being, joy at, yeah, joy at being in the company of others, joy at being outside or jumping in a lake or, um, you know, in the, in the mentoring work that I do with the teenagers, we teach them about personal value, which is, which is something that is, equal and infinite in all of us. You don't, you don't have to do anything to have personal value. You have it simply by being born. You have it simply by being alive. It's not something that you develop. It's something you discover. And, and you discover it by being out in the world, by being in connection. You discover it when you go for a walk in nature and you, you just feel good you feel aligned you feel your feet in the grass and you're like oh this feels nice and it's it's not connected to how many followers you have on instagram or how much money you're making it's just this fundamental value of of being alive and of being a human and and i think you're absolutely right that it it's to to connect with that which has no value in the in the the world of commerce <laughs> or whatever it is an act of resilience it, it, it it's it's an act of, of courage to to say i'm going to just be mm. yeah mm. what do you um reading or listening or watching at the moment? Well, I am obsessively working my way through all of the books that John Berghoff puts up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, 
I, right, right now I'm currently reading, I, I, I'm literally reading five books at once, but I'm, I'm reading Who Not How, mm. uh, which is an, such a simple and, and, and powerful concept. I just, I, I'm looking at it right now. This is not interesting, but I'm reading this book called Profit First, which is just a business book about, about how you structure your business. Um, I just, I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod a couple weeks ago on vacation. I've been doing that ever since. I've just been a fiend for, uh, I read Niche Down, uh, Christopher Lockhead's book the other day. I've just been reading so much, just kind of, I was reading David Cooper Writer's uh, Introduction to Appreciative Inquiry, so yeah, just just reading, 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 reading uh, all the books. <laughs> <laughs> all the books. I'm, I'm surrounded by piles of book, and I, and I don't yeah. pick any of them up in case I destabilize everything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hear you. And um, just kind of like lastly, what advice do you have for me? What advice do I have for you? Gosh. I, I've been so hesitant on the word advice in my life. I've often said, you know, I, I don't, I don't have any advice for anybody. I, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm a curious journeyer alongside you. But I guess maybe that's kind of playing small to say I don't have any advice because. Maybe I'll just share th that. Uh, I, I guess I would just stick with the topic of curiosity. I, I would I would share that the more that I have moved towards curiosity in my life, the more expansive it has been. So I would encourage you to. really channel curiosity in, in, in any moment where you're destabilized or off kilter or, or challenged. As I explore that curiosity in my life, I, I just offer that up as a, as a really powerful thing. So I'll just share that with you. No, I love that. Thank you. And, um, and as, as you're sharing it, I, I feel both comforted and triggered. <laughs> I say that because, because there is this thing about curiosity in that you just know that it's a really good thing to lean into, but sometimes it does take to places of discomfort. But as you were expressing, um, and as I think much of this conversation has been about, going to that place just teaches you so much. And it's not just teaching you, it's also teaching um, and supporting and helping in some way, shape or form, all of the other people that are kind of um, impacted or affected by the work that you're doing. So I, I, I'm now telling myself, just in response to what you shared, that I have a responsibility to be more curious. <laughs> As I think about it, Saida, it's, I think in some ways, the state that I, at least I want to get to in my life is I want to be willing to, to be completely rebuilt over and over and over again. 
that I want to be so curious that everything could change and, and I could, I could, there could just be this, these constant paradigm shifts and, and, and it's, it sounds, it could sound like you're just kind of blowing in the wind. But to me, as, as I've already said in this conversation, nothing is lost. We, we, that night when I was in the car pulling out of my driveway and one of the sort of themes of of my life over the last many years since that moment is, is that everything is cumulative. If you allow it to be, we, we will grow old. Some of us (laughs) might die of unfortunate things, but generally we're, we're going to grow old and we can grow old and get more set in our ways and become more afraid and less willing to try new things, or we can grow old and wise. And the way that we grow old and wise is by taking whatever is happening to us and learning from it. It's it's the thing that people say, life isn't happening to me, it's happening for me. And the, the secret ingredient, I think, of navigating all of that is curiosity, of saying, wow, look at what's happening now. <laughs> Why is this happening? How have I contributed to this happening? How have I not contributed to this happening? Uh, like, how, how has this shifted my perspective what is my perspective? All of these things. And, and, and so I am committed to being on the older and wiser path. And curiosity is, is, my, is my secret weapon, I guess. I love that. And what a way to kind of wrap this up. Um, and hopefully I'm kind of like somewhere in the periphery of that kind of joining you on this path. On this journey you of are. curiosity. I mean, of course, that's 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 why we're here. I, yeah. You're creating a podcast. You're 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 currently flying through the air, building an airplane as you're as you're going, figuring it out. And that's that's why I I would say yes to be on this with you. And I I know that about you already from the way that you show up in exchange and the the thoughtful questions that you ask and the and the, 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 the way you push things and, and you're on that path. That's why, that's why I'm here. Thank you, Peter. Where can people find out about the work that you do and connect with you? Uh, yeah, well, petercats.com and petercatspeaks.com are sort of the, the main hubs. And I'm on all the socials at Peter Katz Music. And, and yeah, those are the places. I would encourage everyone to follow you wherever they can and just to benefit from your wisdom, your shares and your absolutely awesome music. It's just such a a gift for me to know you. Thanks, Ada. Likewise. Thank you. Now, there is a cheeky bit where I could ask you to play a song. (laughs) I don't know Uh if you're ready or not. And if you're not, don't worry. (laughs) 
I would need a moment to sort of set up, but it's uh, it's doable. Yeah, go ahead. If it's doable, why not? Like, uh, you know. All right. So um, I should probably do the song we talked about the most. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> oh. So this is for you, Saida. This is Take Mine. That was amazing. And 
that is all the reason why everyone should follow you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Like, I could write a book of responses to every single lyric that is in there. It's just, it's really amazing, you know, like where your mind goes to. Um, And like, even when you were speaking about like being strong and all of these other things, just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have this kind of response to to many songs. I just want to share that with you. Thanks, Sadie. No, you're welcome. Oh, thank you, Peter. I feel like I should let you go, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it was re- really nice getting to getting to connect with you, and um, yeah, I can't wait to to hear the uh, the finished product. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. I really do. You're such an inspirational human being. If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.